Just nine short days ago, we had what we thought was our uh, end of the year finale, our winter finale. And I said, if you see us again before January 9th, then you know some shit went down. Well, apparently some shit went down because the Trump report starts now. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Wow, we're hearing this song for a much different reason than uh, I think a lot of people thought we'd be hearing right now. But here's the thing, you live in Alabama, this is your life every day, it doesn't matter what's going on, because their conscience doesn't bother them, no matter what's going on. Welcome to a very special edition of the Trump Report. It's not just because it's a Thursday night, but just because we thought we were going to be off for a few weeks, and... God, if we're if we're back again after this, I I, I mean, then it, I guess the impeachment hearings. I mean, that, I can only see that as the only reason why. Uh, but anyway, uh, welcome, as I said, to the Trump Report. I'm Christian Blatt at Christian DMZ, joined by Drexel Hurd of the Political Beat, which is still on break. So on it didn't, break, it didn't get that crazy. That Political no, Beat busted everything. No, no, open. no, no, no. <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, then you know I was t- live tweeting or at least trying to tweet out. But no, no Political Beat this week. But that's all right, because we'll you're be here. Back. We've We're got here. you here. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the other end of the desk, the man with the numbers, Scott Moore at S-Man 80. Hey, guys. Um, and uh, I, I guess that's a that's a place to start. And, you know, I don't need you to have exact totals and counts. But, uh, you know he does. A fair, <laughs> well, I know. But I, I'm sort of setting the audience up. Oh, and welcome to everybody in the chat yes. who found us on a Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was definitely some confusion. Shareable Texas could not believe that we were doing a Thursday night. <laughs> and earlier, uh, too. Lady Goth couldn't believe that we're even back at all. She's like, I thought the finale happened. Finale happened. There's a lot going on. But anyway. It's a surprise and delight. Yeah. I, you know, sometimes, I love good sometimes you got to treat yourself. Yeah. That's right. You know, we're going to treat ourselves to a little extra Trump report. Uh, this one last <laughs> mm-hmm. one. Uh, so, Scott, let's talk a little bit about um, the I, – I would say that the word surprising isn't strong enough. Mm-hmm. The word shocking isn't mm-hmm. strong enough. But Doug Jones' win over Roy Moore on Tuesday night in the Alabama special election. How close – was it? It, it, um, it seemed to pull away a little bit more than I thought it was going to be. Where it was originally yes. like point seven. Yes. And that it, did you get a full point somewhere yes, in that range? Yeah, almost like basically a point and a half right now. Wow. Yes. Which, yes. when you consider that this is Alabama, that's like ten mm-hmm. points, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, without getting into all the details of the number, just the top line general stuff that happened that worked in in Doug Jones's favor, where when you look at the rural counties in Alabama. Uh, the numbers were substantially lower, and the rural counties were going to be more likely to vote for Roy Moore. The the voters that had gone out to vote for Trump in those rural counties the, the were way down uh, for the special election. So what we really needed for Doug Jones to pull out a win is you needed those uh, Republican voters to sit home to do a write-in candidate for another Republican and for Democrats and African Americans to go out in huge numbers to vote for Doug Jones. And that's exactly what happened on Tuesday night. So rural voters were lower than last year when they voted for Trump. And the suburban vote uh, for Republicans that are college-educated in, in the suburbs around Birmingham, in Mobile, in Montgomery, uh, in Tuscaloosa went out uh, and actually voted pretty heavily also for Doug Jones. We saw a lot of uh, crossover for those moderate Republicans, which he needed. And of course, we saw those huge numbers for African Americans. In some areas, had 76% uh, 
uh, of turnout, which is just really impressive for a special election in some of those those areas. So that all spelled uh, the recipe to success for Doug Jones. And Drexel, you were uh, passing around a very helpful graphic that had things like, uh, was it 97 percent of uh, African-American men voted for Doug Jones? Little well, things like that. You don't have to run through all it was those 98 numbers. for women and 93 for right. men, which is still huge. What's going on with those? So it's ninety eight for women, ninety three. Mm-hmm. So what for about those? Women. What about those five percent? The two the percent they can still come to the cookout that's, that's if, they bring, <laughs> if they bring a dish. <laughs> we will help you. They might have gone into the sunken place at some point, mm-hmm. um, but but you know I think the other big number because uh, as, as um, Scott pointed out, the writing candidate. Uh, pulled in twenty thousand votes. Yes, and that's which a, is very significant. A significant yes. number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And apparently, there was a stealth um, uh, um, campaign for a writing candidate, and I believe the Alabama uh, coach, the Crimson Tide coach, uh, was oh, that yeah. third. Was yeah. that yeah. Third I, I did see it was yes, Nick Saban. Saban. Uh, Nick Saban, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, was that third place winner? So, um, but at the same time, the other number that people have to is should be troubling to Republicans and should be troubling to Donald Trump is that his approval rating in Alabama was tied at forty eight forty eight, and that I mean Alabama is basically the one of the reddest states. Yes, the in third the most that voted for Trump right. last year that had the third and, highest total. And so, if you're looking at those numbers, you're like, well, Doug Jones. If you look at Alabama as forty eight forty eight, the mm-hmm. rest of the nation that should give you an indication as to what the rest of the nation is. And um, you know, like you said, African Americans just came out to vote, and and uh, I know like somebody like the crazy Bill Mitchell. Yes, you see Bill Mitchell. Like I don't yes. follow him, but like he pops up every once yes. in a while because people because people like tweet at him because he's yeah. crazy. Yes, he is. Um, very said something crazy. like, "Oh, well, I saw that people were busting African Americans over from Mississippi." Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't think that Alabama locked down their voting mm-hmm. uh, apparatus to keep people from uh, voting illegally, right. uh, then you're mistaken. And you know. Uh, you know, I said it on Hellbent. I was on Hellbent podcast today, um, a feminist podcast. So definitely check it out because near well, Tandon, where, where near can Tandon, find that? By it's the on way. Uh, iTunes. You can, okay. you can find. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but near Tandon was the guest on it, and uh, so she was on before I got on there. Um, but you know it, that people have to. What was I talking about? You Just were the t- Bill Mitchell and oh, the and the, and the yeah. busting people over, which was a ridiculous tweet yeah, they put it, out there. It, it's yeah, and so like African Americans like voted. In Birmingham, with the mayoral race that happened mm-hmm. um, a few weeks ago, in droves, mm-hmm. and if that was any indication of what was going to happen in this special election, mm-hmm. then Republicans should have been were not paying enough attention to what was happening in Birmingham. Absolutely, which I think maybe they were not. Um, I found that graphic that uh, Drexel uh, texted to us, and I was not smart enough to send it to our friend Anthony in the booth so he could share it. <laughs> but um, I do want to mention sort of the least surprising number from that tally, which is the uh, percentage of white men who voted for uh, Roy Moore. What's well, a little surprising because it's seventy four percent. That means twenty six percent of white men. Uh, voted well. Voted for Twenty-three for Jones yeah. and three percent no answer. So uh, some of those might have been write-ins for Nick, Nick Saban, Saban. <laughs> maybe right. you know Colonel Sanders. I know that's Kentucky, but you know obviously <laughs> he's uh, well appreciated there. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a clear breakdown. And Drexel, you, know, you sort of touched on it, but the idea that would we do you think we would have this sort of african american turnout uh, on a regular basis i'm not specifically saying in uh in the state of alabama but would we have this kind of turnout if 
you know, maybe there weren't some tactics at the polling places keeping them away. I mean, do you think this number, this percentage try to come out and are, you know, turned away or uh, discouraged from voting in other ways? You know, like there'll be mailers that say that the election is on a different date than the date it actually is to try and confuse people. Well, those things happened that day in Alabama. Mm -hmm. If you look at it, reports, those things, people were getting text messages saying Mm -hmm. that their polling places had changed. Earlier that day, also, um, the Alabama Supreme Court had struck down the lower court's ruling um, in Alabama on preserving the electronic voting ballot so that mm-hmm. they could so yeah. it actually would not help Roy in, in a recount mm-hmm. it probably would have helped Roy Moore, but the Alabama Supreme Court so those were tactics that the Republican led uh, Alabama Supreme Court the Republican Party uh, tried to deploy on the other side of that the DNC pumped a million dollars that nobody knew about into uh, targeting African American communities and millennials in Alabama, and making sure that uh, they got out to vote and that they were uh, prepared for that. One thing that you know that I'll say, and I'm sure that Chelsea would disagree with me, uh, being as far up Bernie's ass as <laughs> the next person. <laughs> wow! Um, but. The, uh, but the backbone of the Democratic Party is obviously African Americans. Mm-hmm. It is not Without the working. It is not working class Democrats. Absolutely. Uh, uh, but but, but, but with, with that said, people look at the term working class Democrats mm-hmm. and just assume white voters, black voters are the working class, right? And Latino and so, voters and a lot of people are part of that working right. class. And so, and there's a reason why black voters did not latch on to Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. is because he was not talking about black working class voters. Um, and 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 we saw it, it is no secret that black folks have kept the Democratic Party alive, mm-hmm. um, and it is a survival tactic at this point. If black people came out in droves to answer your question, because somebody had to save the party. And typically, like Barack Obama came and saved America to, to an extent, black voters had to come in and save Alabama. And they did. <laughs> and they absolutely did if it was right. not for them because the white people were very embarrassing with their numbers right. for more. We need to have a moment with that, that they need to come to uh, understand that they all voted for Roy Moore, which is a pretty scary thing. Um, and the other thing that you were going to mention, too, is like – like you said, it should also scare Republicans is seeing the trend, like you said, from millennials, from anyone younger than 65, how as you got progressively younger, the votes for Doug Jones increased, increased, increased till you got to around 18 to 39 and you had over 70 percent of those, that age group voting for Doug Jones as opposed to Roy Moore. So that also is a scary tactic for Republicans knowing that their base is shrinking and dying out and the younger uh, generation, whites included, is uh, definitely more – uh, progressive and voting in droves too for Democratic candidates. The other part of that is is that you talked about the white vote. White uh, Roy Moore also won white educated college women as mm-hmm. well. So that it, it is, and I said this on on the podcast earlier today, which was it's a fundamental thing mm-hmm. when it comes to white women and white voters. We're never going to be able to tell white women that. Or at least within the South, that they need to change their mentality on on what the roles are of a, a woman. So we got to get past mm-hmm. that piece. Of, we got to get past of trying to convince white women that, and especially in the South, that mm-hmm. their role is not to be beside their man mm-hmm. instead of you know instead of being a part of a, a great partner um, in moving things forward. And so you know, so you got to talk about. We got to find another way to get into that because. 
if you if Roy Moore, after all the allegations that came out about him, Donald Trump, all the allegations that came out about him, those were the big chunks of voters last mm-hmm. year. And those are the big chunks of voters for Roy Moore as well. I mean, the fact that it was as high white men, yeah, that's fine, but it was as high as white for white women mm-hmm. across the board, educated and uneducated, is a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh one of the things that obviously I think led to the showing that Roy Moore had is people didn't know what to make of the allegations or the fact that they don't trust where the allegations came from. And, you know, somebody that I know reasonably well, I actually had a conversation on Facebook. And what he said was, I'm still waiting to see those allegations proven. If he's guilty, I want to know. I just can't make logical sense of how he's run for office multiple times. And suddenly this year, the accusers speak up. And I I mention it because I feel like that's representative of what a lot of people thought. It's like, I've heard it. You know, everybody's heard these. They aren't even saying that. I, I don't. I don't know that uh, for sure that it didn't happen, but I also don't know that it did happen. Uh, there's not enough time to figure it out, and I think that's what it came down to: is that the the people that voted for him. But I think ultimately they had. There was a, enough people that had doubt that either, like you said, they didn't. You know, they stayed home. They voted for Nick Saban. Maybe some of them voted for Doug Jones, but I think that that, that there are definitely people that weren't going to vote for him mm-hmm. no matter what. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, they just couldn't bring themselves to vote for Roy Moore. But the contingent right. that he had, of course, uh, was diehard, and you know, there could have been video uh, of him, you know, murdering ten people and be like, yeah, but you know, he's, he's our guy. Right. Vice did a whole thing where they brought in Republican or Roy Moore supporters, mm-hmm. and they talked about that, and and they talked about George Soros. And being paid off, and how many mm-hmm. people in the room thought they were being paid, and it was a little crazy. It was a little like, like disappointing to like it was a little saddening to watch like that uh, conversation happen. Um, but I, I just I don't know. You know, Roy Moore. I he was destined to lose. It was his to lose for sure. It it was, and that's sort of the you know the post mortem for a lot of Republicans. Like, well, he's a flawed candidate, and he wasn't really supposed to win anyways. And the fact that it was that close, so that was sort of their pivot the next day. Um, but you still have to think. I mean, I was convinced all the way up to the end. And I know you were too, Christian, that there was no way that a Democrat was still going to eke out a win and at the amount that he did at one and a half I mean, even, even after above the recount threshold. The AP initially reported it. I still was like, yeah. okay, but, you know, and then especially you see like, okay, it's close. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a bold a bold thing to, to declare, but I still felt like it was going to swing back the other way. I was very surprised. See, I, I didn't feel I, like that because I, I did because you still have faith in yes, the Yes, well, I did later condition. when I saw the numbers Scott come in. Scott and I are very cynical. I am, and I thought, you know, once the RNC had sort of started to invest back their money and Donald Trump did his full-throated endorsement and I knew that he Donald Trump had done well in Alabama I started thinking well maybe some of those people who were on the fence about voting for Roy Moore now feel more comfortable doing so and that it was going to make it so it was at least very close and and you know you had the governor there who was a woman who said she was still voting for him and that that basically you need a Republican there for the votes and well, that the sort Republican of thing. Party of Alabama saying if you don't support Roy right. Moore then you have you, you will have no chance of running in Alabama uh, and, and yeah, now all so those people I, have egg on their face they do but I really thought because those people were there that it was going to give the people that were concerned about voting the the leeway to do so so I was still surprised and then thinking it had been a quarter century since, coincidentally enough, uh, Richard Shelby, the senior senator from Alabama, was last elected statewide as a Democrat, who then has, of course, now switched parties to Republican. 
but he was the last one elected statewide and was back in the uh, early 90s. So to me, it was something that was pretty unprecedented and still surprising and pretty incredible and awesome to witness. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the big losers on the night. Uh, obviously, you have to start with Roy Moore, although he has still not conceded <laughs> as of right now. And I feel like he's never going to concede. You know, he, he might just go away. Uh, you know, maybe he'll go to another county where there's a mall. He's allowed to hang out at the food court. <laughs> or, or take Sassy out to the next county and where, where he can, he's free to. Which yeah. I believe he lost that county that the mall. That yes, he's he in Gaston. Like, yep. Doug Jones pulled like 77% mm-hmm. in that county or something. Because they know him. Because Doug could go to the mall <laughs> right. and shake hands. Right, right, that right. made all in the Gadsden, difference. In Alabama, yes. And, they, they, uh, they know him well enough to know not to vote for him. The New York Daily News had a great headline, speaking of Sassy, by the way, which uh, was... Uh, I, you know, they couldn't say "fuck you" and the horse you rode in on. Yeah, it basically, was basically. Roy Moore and the horse he rode in on, which is sort of the parenthetical title of, mm-hmm. of this episode. Uh, you know, Sweet Home Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just like it was. It, it was just such a great moment. It was like, oh, literally, and the horse he rode in on. Um, but he hasn't conceded. But uh, at the same time, it didn't get close enough where it was an automatic recount, mm-hmm. which I think was what he was initially counting on. Uh, Scott, any theory on what he's waiting for? I mean, other than God to tell him that he I, did I win? I think, yeah, he's waiting for God to tell him or God to somehow change the, the results because uh, as it being a federal officeholder position, he can't even pay for the recount now because it, state rules are different. But for the federal, it's like unless it's uh, 0.5 or different, then the, there would be a recount and that would be available. But he's three times over that threshold. And for federal officeholders, there will not be a recount for that. So, And the Secretary of State of Alabama has already said right. that – there's already been a recount. Donald Trump has yep. already called Doug Jones to congratulate him. I mean, um, more importantly than that, he tweeted congratulations tweeted. to Doug Jones. Well, I don't know yeah. if it was really him. His account tweeted. It was definitely a little too um, grammatically correct yes, for Donald too, Trump to have tweeted it. But, too, like, kind of nice, but that they were trying to be Trump-esque right. at the end with that. And I was like, I don't right. think it's him. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the Secretary of State's already kind of declared that. that. Um, but... The Republicans, Mitch McConnell, not wanting to seat the hypocrisy of the Republican Party is really <laughs> yeah, crazy to me. Yeah, seriously. Like every time I think about it, I'm like, what in the world? From Roy Moore and, and then them being like, well, look at Al Franken. And then to, to, for them to go back and say, but let's support Roy Moore. It's mm-hmm. like really crazy for Mitch McConnell to come out and say, well, you, you know, you should seat our guy in 2010 and Scott Brown, the Democrats doing that and then – Coming back seven year, you know, uh, uh, you know, seven years later to say <laughs> uh, we're not going to seat your gu- mm-hmm. your guy because why we want to get our tax, we bill, get our tax bill done. Yep. Um, but yet the Democrats shows, waited for Scott Brown in right. Massachusetts to be seated. Even Harry Reid said we will yes. not do any work. Harry Reid mm-hmm. said we will not do any work in the in the Senate until Scott Brown is seated. And if that does not sh- sh- show listeners and viewers the um, the heart of the Republican Party, um, then I don't know what will. Right. Uh, also, big loser. Uh, uh, on this race as a whole has not gone well for President Trump. Uh, he endorsed Luther Strange. Yep. <laughs> and then he got on board the Moore train. Then he, mm-hmm. he backed out. He backed away from the the Moore train. He pulled it out of the station. And then uh, and then he was all in in the last few days. And yeah, that was the one little glimmer that like oh wait maybe maybe there's like a serious chance if trump has to actually go all in on this guy uh and i mean the next morning he 
tweets or, you know, as Scott alluded to, someone with access to at real Donald Trump uh, tweeted congratulations to Doug Jones. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, could could be Ivanka. (laughs) She just figured out his password is really all it it was. You know, I believe the password is boobs, boobs, one, two, three or (laughs) Trump (laughs) (laughs) synonym. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, look. I mean, nothing really sticks to Trump long term, but it has to be infuriating to him that Mm -hmm. uh, he got involved. And even he knows that he looks worse for endorsing this guy. You know, if they had won, it's like, well, look, I had to, you know, and uh, I I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't think he's he's the biggest loser. The biggest loser is clearly Roy Moore. But, but he's a really pretty close to that because if you look back at all of his last couple endorsements, again, he went all in for Ed Gillespie in, in Virginia for governor, who lost by huge numbers. Like you said, he went in for Luther Strange in the primary, lost. Then he jumped aboard with Roy, and now he lost that as well. So he does not have a good streak going with endorsements. And it also proves that he doesn't carry any coattails for anybody. And again, that should that should make Republicans nervous going into 2018, knowing that they have absolutely nothing to benefit by working with him because he is he's not going to help carry them over the finish line by any chance. If you can't pull out a victory in Alabama, then you know you do have serious problems as a party to head into the, the midterms next year. I'll also point out the fact I, – I, I think that Donald Trump is a loser of mm-hmm. the night and just in mm-hmm. general. Um, <laughs> but I think the biggest loser of the night other than Roy Moore is Steve Bannon. Exactly who I was going to move on to because, right. because when we talked about it mm-hmm. last week – we talked about you know getting these endorsements, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't know how much that helps Roy Moore. Right. You know, I mean, I guess it, it there's a big cross section of the same people, but, Roy, but but it wasn't even an endorsement. Roy Moore was a Steve Bannon pick. Yep. Yeah. So, and and uh, this might shock some viewers, at least in terms of what I'll say about Donald Trump, which is Donald Trump. I don't think ever picked Roy Moore. No, Donald I Trump he picked didn't. Luther Strange. He did. Mm-hmm. And so, if you look at where. Um, how Roy Moore campaigned, how Ed Gillespie campaigned, they were somewhat similar in their fear tactics. Mm-hmm. Luther Strange never really did that. The, the fear, the tactics of Moore and Gillespie were Bannon-esque. Mm-hmm. The tactics of Strange tended to be, while Trump is still... While, more. While, right. Yes. While Trump is a little, uses a little bit of fear tactics, he's not as crazy as Steve mm-hmm. Bannon, um, who helped him use those tactics during the campaign. Um, where So I would look at it and go, Donald Trump lost the battle with Luther Strange, but Steve Bannon lost the war with his mm-hmm. candidates. And that are, those are the coattails that now Steve Bannon probably has to go away. Right. No, I think uh, you're right that it definitely is Steve Bannon. I only brought up Trump with the fact that the sitting president who did endorse these people right. did not provide that extra over-the-finish line help and that it makes that sitting president and the party that he leads – bad but yes it well, definitely he it doesn't weakens bannon as well hopefully sure. he doesn't take bannon's advice going forward hopefully and not. i think it i think from a from a you know i said if i said you know it's, it's this thing if donald trump's if john kelly got rid of stephen miller like he got rid of steve bannon mm-hmm. the white house would 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 normalize just slightly because Stephen Miller is the policy person, mm-hmm. and he's pushing all these crazy things, and that's what's making the White House look crazy. And so if he leaves, uh, I, I would say that uh, the White House would have some chance of normalcy um, in terms of messaging. But right now, that's not the case. Well, except yeah. for the Twitter, though. I don't know if that's ever going to go away. <laughs> right. No, the Twitter that's never the problem. Away. I'm in policy. Like, yes, you, you, as far right. as the as cohesiveness as policy, yeah. of that, but you have uh, a, a person who can't help himself on Twitter that – 
Yeah, I, I, but the point about Bannon is that even he initially was, you know, he had kind of backed away mm-hmm. from Roy Moore as well, and then again went all in, and uh, it, it didn't help. And yeah, I think it brings up questions as to you know how viable is. You know his tactics could still be very effective, but the the oh, that face no <laughs> the face of Steve Bannon. I don't know how much that helps you. You know, in 2018, having him actually at your events, even in some of the most rural areas right. of the country, mm-hmm. I don't know how much he helps. And we've never seen a strategist out like that before, ever. As far as I can remember, Carl mm-hmm. Rove never went out like that. Right. I don't know that Democrats have a strategist in like that. Um, yeah, because no, you no. you'll have like your Carvilles and retired guys, right? Right, but those that, people but... aren't like like shaping yeah, huge yes. things like Carl Rove did and like Steve mm-hmm. Bannon did. Where Republicans answer to one person, mm-hmm. Republicans always answer to Carl Rove. Republicans always answer to Steve Bannon during the campaign, uh, and Democrats have never been like that. Um, and so I guess that's going to be a little learning lesson for Republicans going forward. Uh, to the point where Roma McDan- McDaniel Roma Ron- Rana. Mm-hmm. Yes. What's her name? Yes, Ronna, 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 Romney, McDaniel, yeah. Romney McDaniel, Romney yeah. RNC chair. <laughs> yeah. Like, for her as a f- woman to have taken this party out, taken the, the party apparatus out of Roy Moore, to put him back in, mm-hmm. like, what was going through her head? And what's going through her head now? And what is Mitt Romney over there I saying know. to her? Well, like, half of the tweets that she also posts are just crazy as well. Right? Oh, yeah. like, She's where is, where, I'd like, well, you. Uh, the morning after seemed to be the time to uh, really lean into Roy Moore, but also to Steve Bannon. Uh, I love that uh, Representative Peter King of New York could not resist uh, talking about how he, he looked like a drunk. He's like, I didn't say he was a drunk. I just said he looked like one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, I think that, yeah, I think that, look, all of this is very, is very indicative. Um, now, the real question is, what exactly is Doug Jones going to be able to accomplish? You know, I mean, he he won't be seated for a month, and uh, I guess we're going to get the uh, tax bill squeezed through. Um, I don't know. Simple question know either. Uh, for you, Scott, before we actually talk about the tax bill. Will the uh, composition of the Senate be 50-50, or is there, are there other changes? Or, you know, I mean, Pence would still be the tiebreaker, right? He'd still be the tiebreaker, yeah. So it it, it, it doesn't really change anything, right? Well, I mean, it does change the fact that you have now one less Republican yeah. that's going to be voting. With so you, you have 50-50 with 51 yeah. will be the new composition because you've got the two uh, independents that oh, okay. right, caucus, right. like Bernie Sanders and Angus King in Maine, that caucus with the Democrats. So uh, you, you've got 49-51. So that really only means that you can only lose two Republican votes now instead of three. So and that makes it a lot tighter now for anything that they're going to be trying to do in the next year. And what they're uh, really focused on, as we heard about mm-hmm. today, is that you know the the House has uh, tried to reconcile the tax bill, and I guess they're uh, really doing their part to try and get this voted on before uh, Doug Jones uh, gets sworn in. Which uh, to that guy from uh, Roy Moore's uh, campaign, if we all saw the video of him talking to Jake Tapper, he could swore get sworn in on the phone book. He could get sworn in yeah. on the Harry Potter book. Exactly, he could get sworn in on no book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does not have to be the Christian Bible. Uh, that's that's one of my favorite videos. That in was a long fantastic. Time. Yes. Just because of how like 
the, how long the guy was dumbfounded was yeah. is what made it feel yes, like it was. SNL that was sketch. Right. Like, he yeah. did not know how to answer. Yeah. I was like, is this real? Yeah, he's like, he, he's yeah. like, yeah, but I, but I swore on the Bible. I was like, I'm sure you did. Mm-hmm. Right. But, uh, you know, by the way, I would, I would uh, be sworn in on a Klingon dictionary in case anybody ever wanted to know what my book of choice <laughs> would be. Uh, but, you know, there's obviously a lot of questions because now the spotlight is that much closer on all of these senators. And, yes. you know, we are starting to hear things like uh, apparently Senator McCain's health is not mm-hmm. even as good as we thought it was a mm-hmm. month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that Cochran also I heard today yeah. is also is I mean, in ill health. And you have Marco Rubio who said he's going to vote no. But you know Marco Rubio has no backbone. He, so. No, I know. But you you think about that in the Bob Corker and you think if Susan Collins comes back on the other side. Like there's a lot of people Jeff there that – Jeff Flake, for sure. Like, there's a lot of people where it's very easy to lose those people, and you're not going to get it done in time by the end of the year, and therefore you have a new Democratic senator that's going to make it even harder to get these things passed. And the longer that they go Mm -hmm. with the the longer that they get, like, people are going to be paying a little bit more attention now because net neutrality is kind of out of the way. Yes. Um, So their focus can be on this tax bill. Um, But to your point, listen. I don't know if John McCain's at, at Walter Reed right now. Um, the chances of him, at least, I'm, 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 we're hoping that he pulls through um, what he's dealing with right now, but the chances of coming back to vote um, are pretty slim right now. Um, so that brings it down. Um, it looks like uh, Bob Corker's a no. Mm-hmm. Um, so that brings it down to 49. That brings well, it down. Two down. Yeah. That's two down. I mean, so you have fifty-two right now. So, yeah, 52, so that's fifty. Right. So all you really need is one more to right. break away. And, and then if Susan it. Collins doesn't get what she wants, then um, you know, there's that. And then Marco Rubio talking about adding more money in for poor people. You know, the Freedom Caucus doesn't like poor people, so they don't care. So the you know, just getting that through the. It'll get through the house. The other part of that is Paul Ryan, yes, <laughs> yes which is our next topic. is looking at not running for re- mm-hmm. is looking at retiring. I don't know whatever yeah, that retiring. Means. He's like what forty five, yeah. like retiring. Well, yeah. I, I mean, to me, the only reason Paul Ryan retires is because he wants to run for president. But I feel like even he knows that you have to have some semblance of a personality to run for president. You know, I mean, he he, he has to have seen the vice presidential debate that he was in. You know, so I think he. <laughs> should know what his own limitations would be as a presidential candidate. So maybe it's just he's had enough. Right, but, but I, know I mean, that, the first thought I had is like, oh my god, is he going to run for president? No, but I mean, we know that the only reason he wanted to be a United States congressman mm-hmm. was to do the tax bill. Yes. So and the, and the health if he doesn't get that, that through, yeah. if this doesn't go through, yeah, yeah, there's two things that'll happen. He'll lose the Wisconsin uh, 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 election to Randy Bryce. Uh, and we'll start to uh, – and, and it's a good chance he'll lose that election. Uh, so he might be calculating I'd that piece I love the Iron in. Stash. I'd love for right. him to be, beat Ryan. That would be I beautiful. Think, I think that's another calculation that Paul Ryan's making is mm-hmm. there's a good chance that he might lose. And that is not a position that he right. would really want to end his run as Speaker of the House exactly. um, on is losing a race. And well, sort of like he saw what race. happened with, with uh, you know, seeing Air Cantor lose in a primary uh, you know, a couple of years ago, but uh, that's the same thing that I always feel would happen with Trump as well. That even if he, and I still don't think he will be, but even <laughs> if he is eligible to run again for re-election, if he knows that he's going to lose, he will find an excuse to not run because he would rather not, not walk out as a loser uh, in, in in all sense of the word, and and so he would rather not run again and then blame everybody else for not letting him 
you know, do what he needs to do. And that's sort of the same tactic I kind of saw with Paul Ryan, unless he has something else that he's planning on doing, some kind of thing or something else that he's... Paul Ryan is a P90X spokesperson, I don't know. Keg stand classes. And Rand classes for everybody, I don't know. I think Paul Ryan is going to ride off into the sunset with a lot of money from a lot of corporations that... Um, that lobbied him on this tax bill. So I think that that's something that Wisconsin voters are going to have to remember going into 2018 if he doesn't des- if he decides to run for re-election, um, and that the American people are going to have to realize when they go to the polls about Republicans in general about letting a tax bill like this through. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. Well, it's all all interesting things to keep an eye on, uh, and uh, one of the things that. Uh, you referenced uh, Drexel is uh, net neutrality. So, what exactly is this going to mean? Because uh, I don't know if Drexel was on the panel the night that we talked about it. Is like I, I still never got what it was. I mean, I understood how it was supposed to be bad, but then there were arguments being made uh, in the other case. So, uh, let me ask you, Scott, what what does this this actually mean? What happened today? Well, for the exact moment it's not going to change much but the first thing that it means is that companies can now basically charge netflix and other streaming services rates that are higher or lower to be you know however they feel that they want to do it now to be on their fast lanes and these charges could then be passed along as as to consumers um you know much like you get on a cable bill, like you can get this package, you can get that package, you can get this internet, you know, speed, uh, you know, through AT&T or Spectrum or whoever your provider is. And now you'll be able to do that with fellow companies to have the privilege of being on your wire, your your internet service. And you can also now charge uh, people for that convenience of now saying, well, if you want to have great streaming service and you want to have Netflix, that's not our company. You're going to have to pay as a consumer X amount of money to be able to use Netflix on our, you know, Spectrum cable or AT&T or direct, you know, whoever you're getting your So it could cost a lot more provider. to watch quality after shows on uh, YouTube. See, that's yes. that's something that people should take very seriously. People, well, I mean, wh- what do you do at this point? You know, I mean, you just try and uh, yell about it. I mean, there's... well, the best the best I mean, and, and just saying the best correlation to kind of look at is you can see what happened in Portugal when they kind of did a similar thing. And you can see what happened for consumers there. If you're curious, you can kind of see what happened and how people ended up having to pay for services. Um, you know, we did have quite a few states today that said they were going to be following lawsuits uh, to keep, you know, net neutrality in place. And uh, so I think it's going to be a longer process. I, I think, you know, the, the issue with the FCC, and it's always been difficult even on being, you know, when it's Democratic controlled or Republican controlled, is that it's tied to whatever administration is in power, which they always claim, well, that's what the voters' intention was. But however, you do not vote for any of those FCC uh, committee people and the governors. And they're making decisions that affect every single American, but yet they're never voted on. And that, to me, feels like a, a an issue. Even if you agree or disagree with their policies, when it flips back to Democratic control, there'll be a lot of people who feel like, well, you know, it, it feels like people should have a right to have a say on who these people are and that they should be answerable to the American people rather than serving at the pleasure of a of a president who's in power who's going to pick who they want. Um, and a three to two vote today doesn't make you feel confident knowing that it's completely on party lines today. And, and there's a the, the other part of that is elections have consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what happens when you don't go out to vote and people get to right. put in, put, people get to put in place. I won't say so. 
put a pin in what I just said because we do know that Barack Obama appointed Ajit Patel to that seat. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys talked about it on the show uh, when you talked about this. The only reason that Barack Obama put him on that commission seat was because Republicans controlled the Congress at the mm-hmm. time and Mitch McConnell said, this is who I want, and there was not much that Barack Obama could do in that sense. So I know some people out there are trying to say, well, this is Obama, Barack Obama's, I mean, even Don Jr. just tweeted it, oh, Obama's FCC chairman. I'm like, he well, was not Barack Obama's He was FCC not his FCC chairman. chairman. That was um, elevated when Trump came in. And also, right. you have to have a certain number of Republicans, a certain number of Democrats. When you're in, you're the party in control, you can you get the majority. But you have to always bounce it out. So if a Republican left, you essentially have to put in another Republican there to keep it three to two in the right. case when Obama's running and vice versa. So Trump would also have to make sure that there's Democrats in there as well. You can't just have it five zero. Um, but it does lead the question that, yes, he did put him in there. But like you said, elections do have consequences. And too many times, even when you do have to go out to vote, you're voting on one particular issue, but you're not thinking about all of these ancillary things that come up, like the FCC and other things that you might care about. But you were so focused on you know, Hillary Clinton's emails that you weren't thinking, like, if Trump gets in, that these other things are going to happen that you may not agree with. Um, and that's part of the problem, like you said, that, that happens when, when people don't think about the other things that will happen. There's a spirited debate in the chat. Right I, now. I'm watching. Drexel, I can't where, read it. Where, where did <laughs> My you eyes get, are too old. <laughs> Drexel, where did you get this scarf? It was a gift. Okay. And it's blue. Uh, is it? Oh, it yes, is I blue. guess it is. Yeah. So, it's because like dress, my, my bosses got us all like infinity scarf and I was wearing it because it is a little chilly in Los Angeles. I know. People, yes, it's people, 79 uh, degrees now. It dropped below 80. To yeah. be fair, right now it's probably in like the low 60s, high 50s. Yeah. And so I, usually, scarf weather. I usually sit at my okay. desk with a fan blowing in my face that. anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's really cold in my office so I pretty much didn't, I mean, I don't like to have to take things off. But yeah, it was a gift and uh, my bosses know that I wear a lot of blue so they wanted to get me something that, that matched a lot of the stuff that I wear in general and uh, that's what happened. And plus it's very <laughs> Very Democrat. You know, it's Democrat. Yes, it is. That's <laughs> a little celebratory scarf. Yes. I don't know where they got it from. I, I, I don't know. I could not tell you. That. All right. We're sorry. Well, shareable Texas, you're going to have to <laughs> no. find that scarf on, on your own. Uh, one of the uh, – well, the story that I woke up to this morning, uh, my little alert, was that uh, Disney has bought parts of Fox <clears throat> and – uh, betraying the uh, huge nerd that is uh, underneath <laughs> this blazer, who, uh, by the way, Monday nights uh, is one of the hosts of Marvel TV Weekly here on AfterBuzz. Super excited the idea that we can get a movie with the Avengers and the X-Men in it now. <laughs> Beyond that, I'm sure there's a million bad reasons. But yeah. that reason, I'm like, hey, that ain't all bad. I'm okay with that. In fact, Chris Evans tweeted uh, last week that it means that there could be a movie where he plays the Human Torch, who he played in the Fantastic Four movies, and Captain America. He could be a buddy <laughs> comedy with himself. But, but okay, so my question: I know that we, obviously we talk politics on this show. Yeah, but well, however, this, this does my factor question, in eventually. My question about that: I've, I've, I did not grow up with the Avengers. I grew up with DC. Like I'm a Justice League fan. I have not, although I have not seen the new Justice League movie yet. I uh, because either. I because I, I don't want to be super. I don't want to be super disappointed. Yeah. So I might. You won't be, I, I, no, honestly, you won't be super disappointed. It's fun, but it's not. I great. have Movie Pass. So I won't be paying. Oh, anyway. that's perfect. Um, you'll, you'll definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With Movie Pass, you'll yeah, enjoy I'll it. definitely yeah. enjoy it. Um, so my question is, the Avengers and Justice League movies like that feel so packed. With, yeah, with, they're with exhausting. Pe- with people. Yeah. To add another layer of X-Men into the Great. Avengers sounds make, way sounds way too um stimu- like way make, too much yeah. happening. Hey, make the movie four hours. I'm fine. I'm in. It does it five hours. Whatever. <laughs> I, I have no problem. Five hours. Uh, but it does beg the question that, you know, Disney, the uh, the mouse house, 
in recent years has acquired Star Wars, Marvel Comics. Um, I, I don't even know what else. But, uh, you know, by uh, acquiring all these things, uh, now they have Fox. I don't feel so good about that. I mean, it's, you know, look, it's an entertainment company. It's not a utility company. It's not a cell phone company. But at the same time, to me, this strikes me as the the exact kind of monopoly you don't want. Right. I think mm-hmm. you want this company to be five or six different companies, right. you know, that create different content right. um, and, instead of sort of streamlining everything. And, uh, or I, streaming in Disney's Or case. streaming, which you'll have to pay extra for because exactly. of that neutrality. So, uh, see, it, it but all... That's all but that's all that was disney's goal like their goal right. they are disney is is has not made a live action movie that has been successful in a long time other than other than the marvel movies which if you if you look at yeah. Mar- if you take Marvel out, Disney is only successful at animated movies. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, and again, this is hardly political, but I mean, Disney abandoned the uh, Chronicles of Narnia right. series because, like, the first one did pretty well, and then that's that was the last like big foray that I can think of. I'm sure there's something else. But Disney could have done a really big Christian push for for Chronicles. No, seriously, I mean, they yeah, should for Chronicles of Narnia. Because, they just didn't you, mean, do that. you mean with the Jesus Lion? Yeah, they right, right. Have. That's what I meant. Like, yeah. they just did not target that audience. Um, but the other part of that is, you know. Know, Disney uh, taking over Fox, which does a lot, you know, Fox Searchlight, which does a lot of really Shape of Water, mm-hmm. um, um, the the Billboard movie that just came yep. out, uh, mm-hmm. the Billboard, Three Billboards, Billboards, Billboards outside Missouri, of Indiana, uh, Missouri. Fox Missouri. as well. So mm-hmm. Fox does those type of movies. Mm-hmm. Disney may might not be able to do those type of movies, but. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of jobs lost uh, oh, over on the Fox. There will lot. be a lot of jobs lost, especially on the movie side of things, because they're be already talking about savings. Yeah, they're already yeah. talking about two billions or whatever yes. in savings, yes. and that's where the jobs are coming from yep, from the movie um, side for sure. But I think that people, the, the Disney's end goal was not about the quality of movies, was about knowing that people were going to come to them anyway, right. um, and that they can now take all of their movies off of Netflix and then create their own streaming service mm-hmm. and then put it all there. So now we're not only paying for Netflix, but just as net, now from we're Netflix, for now we're paying for all of this, mm-hmm. just like we pay for CBS All Access mm-hmm. so we can watch Star, Star Trek. Trek yes. um, and and that's what's going to end up happening. Yep. And, and we're not. Shit for for families, ten dollars is a lot of money. Oh, it adds up. It Absolutely. adds up if you're doing if you have to pay for ten. Yeah, Netflix which just went up by a dollar. I saw that. CBS, yeah. mm-hmm. which is now you know, which is probably going to go up next year, uh, and then of course is Disney streaming service. So um, I think that's what people and also the, the just the market share that they're going to have now is going to be something like forty percent. Yeah. Of the, this company, and it's kind of the same thing that Comcast did with when they acquired NBC Universal, and 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 you know they get the theme parks and. So these are the two companies that are sort of trying to rival each other for the biggest uh, entertainment conglomerate. And it doesn't help uh, the everyday American or the consumer. And you're right, the on the movie side of things, the redundancies are going to be a lot. So there's going to be a lot of job loss, a lot of people looking for work. TV side will fare a little bit better because they have enough separation and, and Fox has a lot of uh, different shows and productions. So that'll be a little bit better. But it is a little bit scary when you see these huge conglomerates that have way too much money and power and now lobbying power when you talk about politics – of being able to uh, have a bigger say in uh, what laws and legislation is passed for them and, and what's going to be friendly for them as as we already see with their theme parks and what they've managed to do in like Orlando, my hometown, and right. basically had a whole government district made for them that they have a lot of power and control Celebration. over. So, you know, you see that and, and it doesn't help the average American. And again, I don't. that's where I don't understand how the everyday Republican feels that Republicans in power are looking after their interests and they're looking at, after businesses 
best interest by giving them more power and less from the everyday American consumer the, or American worker. And it's interesting to think, you know, for all of the, uh, the the cord cutters who were so happy and, you know, it, you know, it, we'll probably look back and, you know, when everybody had a $100 cable bill or satellite bill, you're actually spending less money than with all these services that are going to add up. You know, obviously the, the cable bill is not structured very family friendly in no. any way. But you're going to end up spending more with all these things. Where so, we start breaking it out to $10 here, $10 yeah. there for different services to be able to have that. Yeah, it's going to be and, very quick. And, you know, you'll still need some kind of over-the-air television mm-hmm. service right. because, you know, people who want to watch live some events. Some internet, right? You know, you, you got you to see We're that. already have pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah you're right. You've got to have exactly. internet to be able to wireless or internet or uh, some way to be able to get all that stuff. I too. mean, I, I'm a big Disney fan. I mean, mm-hmm. I you know, if you live in Southern California, chances are you have right. an annual pass. And um, Tim and I love going to Disney. We just were there last Friday, and and but at the same time, you started to you started over the past few. Years, you started to see where Disney, where Disney's is getting a little greedy. Not that they always haven't been, but a little bit more in how they managed with in how what they were doing with Coco. So Coco was a great movie. So if you haven't seen it, go see it because it's really great. Uh, you could learn a lot if you're a Republican. Um, about, <laughs> um, but. Um, but there was a moment where there was a, a, a point where Disney tried to purchase, tried to um, try to uh, uh, purchase Dios de los Muertos, uh, the, the Day of the Dead, the, 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 the Spanish term mm-hmm. for Day of the Dead. They wanted to keep it because that was the original title of Coco. So they wanted to capitalize right. off of a they term. They wanted to basically trademark that, it. Yeah. yeah, that a term that people have been using for years. Centuries, yeah, basically. And so that... that if they had won that, they would that would just open the floodgates. Yeah, no, I mean, and that, that's exactly the mm-hmm. same idea that you know, for all the uh, advantages for maybe shareholders and things, the idea that these companies are getting so big, uh, I think, doesn't really benefit uh, any of us. Uh, no. Quick comment from the chat, uh, Tammy Govia. Says, first time tuning in and loving the Trump report. Thanks, gentlemen. Usually there's ladies here on the panel, at yes. least one. <laughs> but uh, we did throw this together sort of last minute because uh, we were a little, little excited to talk uh, Alabama. But uh, speaking of ladies, uh, Omarosa. This will be our final final topic. I'm sure we're uh, pretty much out of time, Anthony. <laughs> but uh, Omarosa, um, apparently hearing as she heard during the course of this, the, the Apprentice, you're fired. Now, she said that she did not take wedding photos inside the residence. But then that means she took them, like, in the Oval Office. She was a very calculated response. It's like, I did not take those pictures in the residence. So I didn't it. hear that the pictures were taken in the residence. I heard that the pictures mm-hmm. were taken in the White House I in general. Yes. Yeah, so Who she, takes their photos in the White House when you're not a kid of the President of the United States? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I – but I don't even know that that's what it was. But – um. Just quick little roundtable. Uh, we'll go through. Uh, Scott, we'll, you'll be second after me. Uh, anybody <laughs> think? Anybody surprised that this didn't work out? Because I'm not. Omarosa uh, working at the White House. No, actually, in fact, I thought she was already gone. It reminded <laughs> me that she wasn't. I was like, oh, she is still there. Because I thought it was sort of we'd heard rumors they were, they were on the outs a couple months ago. So not surprised. And then all the gossip about her being like dragged out, and it was it was really it was really good. It was good reading. 
but no, not surprised. I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> um, in fact, I'm surprised it lasts as long as it did. I, I'm surprised <laughs> that there are black people working in the White House. That's too. General. Well, there's uh, one less. Yeah. But, but I will say, Omarosa did say on Good, uh, amid all the crazy stuff, first of all, she tried to go after April Ryan uh, like stealthily on Good Morning America this morning. Um, but she did say, like, there's a lot of stuff that happened in the White House that disturbed me. And I was like... Do tell. Well, I know, right? Larissa's Do telling tell. all book about her. Uh, saying, she's, like, yeah, she's like, well, buy my book. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. And that's what Robin Roberts said at the end yeah. of, of her segment where she was like, bye, Felicia. Um, and, 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 and the and the the African-American woman on TV from April Ryan to Robin Roberts to Angela Rye to um, Simone Sanders, you know, these prominent black women in politics are like – like I'm ready to see Michelle, what Michelle mm-hmm. Obama has to say. Like, please say something because I want to know what Michelle Obama really thinks about Omarosa. I, I think I think we all do, yes. and uh, we will find out. Maybe she can come on the Trump. Maybe she can come on Political Beat. And then stay for stick around for yes, which is immediately after. No problem. We can we, we can, can share the oh, guests. Yes, we can absolutely. Uh, I, love I, I know I said there's our final topic, but it's a great question in the chat. Uh, Jordan in the chat, simple question: What percentage do you give for this tax reform passing? Uh, me personally, ninety percent. But uh, I'm a huge pessimist, and I thought that Roy Moore was going to be a senator. Uh, Scott, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, probably close to seventy percent. Because I think they're going to do whatever they can to try yeah. to ram it through to get some kind of credit for this year, and they got already close enough that they're they're basically all right. Drexel, are you going to offer I, people some hope? I, or? I said about sixty percent. I think that Susan Collins is going to end up doing the right thing. I, I think that I um, that, that Bob Corker is conservative enough to think that there's too much in the bill. We haven't really heard from Rand Paul either. Yeah. Um, and, um, and and I think that the chip program is something that uh, Lisa Murkowski might. You know, take a look at and say, "Well, we got to, we got to get this. We got to get some funding for this." Even though she got funding for her drilling, mm-hmm. and that's it's another thing. The fact that Lisa Murkowski or a Republican is prioritizing drilling in the Arctic over children um, tells you uh, tells you a lot about the Republican Party. Right. Well, and she's also prioritizing drilling of baby seals. So you see, it, it just all comes together, you know, because who knows what's in there? Whatever it is, it's probably delicious. Anyway, for real, this is our last show for 2017. Uh, mostly because, well, I guess the studio is open next week. So, you know, you never know. It's never something know. crazy. Trump's going to resign. <laughs> I've been waiting but, for uh, we, will, we will really be back on uh, January 9th. 9th. Yeah, yeah, I almost said 8th, and I'm like, that's not the right day. January 9th. And uh, we will uh, see everyone. On them, but uh, thanks so much to the panel Scott Moore at S Man 80, Drexel Hurd at Drexel Hurd, and uh, Political Beat will be back the same night, same right? Night. So, all right, so January 9th will be back, but uh, you know. Uh, there is no war on Christmas. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas. But also, uh, happy, happy Hanukkah too. Happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Yeah, happy no Hanukkah right now. And, uh, and of course, Happy New Year. Yes. Thanks so much to everybody who uh, joins us in the chat week after week. And we'll see you in the new year. Oh, and of course, thanks to Anthony in the booth at Tony B. Dead, Tony B. D. E. D. So there you go. There's a Christmas present. I don't have to buy anything <laughs> now, Anthony. Uh, we will see you in the new year. Thanks, everyone. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.